That's it. That was your cue. What was my cue? That right there. You're supposed to say, Masterpiece Audio Theatre Presents. Masterpiece Audio Theatre Presents. That's right. Then you say, Myths from Around the World. Myths from Around the World. Okay, and a stranded in the middle of nowhere podcast. A stranded in the middle of nowhere podcast? Well, where are we? How are we going to get home? I'm going to get scared. Everything will be all right, trust me. This is a continuation from the Dog Days of Podcasting 2022. Well, hello and welcome to Masterpiece Audio Theater. I'm glad you could join us. Come on, come on, grab yourselves a stool, sit around the fire, grab your favorite blanket, make sure you're comfortable. Okay, we're going into part three of this here story, The Christmas Carol. Our main character, Scrooge, he has just been terrified by the vision of his dead partner in the knocker on his door. Can you believe that? He'd be pretty creeped out, too. So he's checking his whole place out, and he's freaking out. All right, so this is the third installment of our TDOA 2022. He had had just enough recollection of the face to desire to do that. Sitting room, bedroom, lumber room, all as they should be. Nobody under the table, nobody under the sofa. A small fire in the grate, spoon and basin ready, and the little saucepan of gruel. Scrooge had a cold in his head, upon the hob. Nobody under the bed, nobody in the closet, nobody in his dressing gown, which was hanging up in a suspicious attitude against the wall. Lumber room, as usual, old fire guard, old shoes, two fish baskets, washing stand on three legs, and a poker. Quite satisfied, he closed his door and locked himself in, double-locked himself in, which was his custom. Thus secured against surprise, he took off his cravat and put on his dressing gown and slippers and his nightcap and sat down before the fire to take his gruel. It was a very low fire indeed, nothing on such a bitter night. He was obliged to sit close to it and brood over it before he could extract the least sensation of warmth from such a handful of fuel. The fireplace was an old one, built by some Dutch merchant long ago and paved all around with quaint Dutch tiles designed to illustrate the scriptures. 
There were Cain's and Abel's, Pharaoh's daughters, queens of Sheba, angelic messengers descending through the air on clouds like feather beds, Abraham's, Belshazzar's, apostles putting off the sea in butter boats, hundreds of figures to attract his thoughts, and yet that face of Marley, seven years dead, came like an ancient prophet's rod and swallowed up the whole. If each smooth tile had been blank at first, with power to shape some picture on its surface from the disjointed fragments of his thoughts, there would have been a copy of old Marley's head on every one. Humbug, said Scrooge, and walked across the room. After several turns, he sat down again and threw his head back in the chair. His glance happened to rest upon the bell, a disused bell that hung in the room and communicated for some purpose now forgotten with a chamber in its highest story of the building. It was with great astonishment, with a strange, inexplicable dread, that, as he looked, he saw this bell began to swing. It swung so softly in the outset that it scarcely made a sound, but soon it rang out loud, and so did every bell in the house. This might have lasted half a minute, or a minute, but it seemed an hour. The bell ceased as they had begun, together, they were succeeded by a clanking noise deep down below, as if some person were dragging a heavy chain over the casks in the wine merchant's cellar. Scrooge then remembered to have heard that ghosts in haunted houses were described as dragging chains. The cellar door flew open with a booming sound, and then he heard the noise much louder on the floors below, then coming up the stairs, then coming straight towards his door. It's humbug still, said Scrooge. I won't believe it. His colour changed, though, when, without a pause, it came through the heavy door and passed into the room before his eyes. Upon its coming in, the dying flame leaped up as though it cried, I know him, Marley's ghost, and fell again. The same face, the very same. Marley in his pigtail, usual waistcoat, tights and boots, the tassels on the latter bristling like his pigtail, and his coat skirts and hair upon his head. The chain he drew was clasped about his middle. It was long and wound about him like a tail, and it was made, for Scrooge observed it closely, of cash boxes, keys, padlocks, ledgers, deeds, and heavy purses wrought in steel. His body was transparent, so that Scrooge, observing him and looking through his waistcoat, could see the two buttons on his coat behind. Scrooge had often heard it said that Marley had no bowels, but he had never believed it until now. No, nor could he believe it even now, though he looked the phantom through and through and saw it standing before him, though he felt the chilling influence of its death-cold eyes and marked the very texture of its folded kerchief bound upon its head and chin, which wrapper he had not observed before, he was still incredulous and fought against his senses. Oh, no, said Scrooge, caustic and cold as ever. What did you want with me? Much. Marley's voice, no doubt about it. Who are you? Ask me who I was. Who were you then? said Scrooge, raising his voice. You're particular for a shade, he was going to say to a shade, but substituted this as more appropriate. In life, I was your partner, Jacob Marley. 
Can you sit down? Asked Scrooge, looking doubtfully at him. I can. Do it then. Scrooge asked the questions because he didn't know whether a ghost so transparent might find himself in a condition to take a chair, and felt that, in the event of this being impossible, it might involve the necessity of an embarrassing explanation. But the ghost sat down on the opposite side of the fireplace as if he were quite used to it. You don't believe in me, observed the ghost. I don't, said Scrooge. What evidence would you have of my reality beyond that of your own senses? I don't know, said Scrooge. Why do you doubt your senses? Because, said Scrooge, a little thing affects them. A slight disorder of the stomach makes them cheats. You may be an undigested bit of beef. A blot of mustard, a crumb of cheese, a fragment of an underdone potato. There's more of gravy than of grave about you, wherever you are. Scrooge was not much in the habit of cracking jokes, nor did he feel in his heart by any means waggish then. The truth is that he tried to be smart as a means of distracting his own attention and keeping down his terror, for the spectre's voice disturbed the very marrow in his bones. To sitting staring at those fixed glazed eyes in silence for a moment would play. Scrooge felt the very deuce with him. There was something very awful, too, in the spectre's being provided with an infernal atmosphere of his own. Scrooge could not feel it himself, but this was very clearly the case, for though the ghost sat perfectly motionless, its hair and skirts and tassels were still agitated as by the hot vapour from an oven. You see this toothpick? said Scrooge, returning quickly to the charge for the reason just assigned, and wishing, though it were only for a second, to divert the vision's stony gaze from himself. I do, replied the ghost. You're not looking at it, said Scrooge. But I see it, said the ghost, notwithstanding. Well, returned Scrooge, I have but to swallow this and be for the rest of my days persecuted by a legion of goblins of all my own creation. Humbug, I tell you, humbug! At this, the spirit raised a frightful cry and shook its chains with such a dismal and appalling noise that Scrooge held on tightly to his chair to save himself from falling in a swoon. But how much greater was his horror when the phantom, taking off the bandages around his head as if it were too warm to wear indoors, its lower jaw dropped down upon its breast. Scrooge fell upon his knees and clasped his hands before his face. Mercy, he said, dreadful apparition, why do you trouble me? Man of the worldly mind, replied the ghost, do you believe in me or not? I do, said Scrooge. I must, but why do spirits walk on the earth, and why do they come to me? It is required of every man, the ghost returned, that the spirit within him should walk abroad amongst his fellow men and travel far and wide, and if that spirit goes not forth in life, it is condemned to do so after death. It is doomed to wander through the world. Oh, woe is me. I'd witness what it cannot share, but might have shared on earth and turn to happiness.
You have been listening to Empath Studios' presentation of the Myths from Around the World, a special Dog Days of Podcasting contribution. Sound clips are from GarageBand and can be found in their samples library. The stories that we have shared can be found at gutenberg.org. We can be found on Facebook on the Masterpiece Audio Theatre page, on nimlas.org, or you can email us at j at jglangchance.com. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 4.0 unported license. Thanks for joining us.